What's going on, guys? So in today's episode of the podcast, we are going to dive into the Atlanta Falcons and their fantasy-relevant players and basically just give you my thoughts on each one of them. So we'll start off at the top with quarterback Matt Ryan. Ryan's being drafted right now as QB8 in the 7th and 8th rounds, right around that area. Um, So I'll start with the good stuff with Matt Ryan in 2019. He threw for 300-plus yards in 11 of his 15 starts. So that's good, right? You can almost guarantee you're going to see in the in the at least close to upper 200s to 300 plus yards if he's your fantasy quarterback. The the issue and the reason why he was only QB 10 on the season, if you don't count Stafford because he only played half the season, um, Matt was QB 10 last year, and the issue was really just touchdowns, and um, he also turned the ball over more than he normally would, but with an offensive line that's not very good, that should be better this year, at least a little bit better, just because of experience, if nothing else. But from with an offensive line that's not very good last year and then a, a defense that was giving up a lot of points and making you play from behind, you had a very non-existent run game in Atlanta in 2019, and that was part of the reason why um, Matt was really inconsistent as a fantasy player. And as, and as a real player. But anyway, so the touchdown issue was what really plagued him. So over weeks one through six, Ryan was actually QB4 from a points per game standpoint. Over the final nine games, however, he threw just 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions as well as three lost fumbles. So a total touchdown number of 11 over the final nine games coupled with 10 total turnovers will absolutely not win you weeks, at least from a from a fantasy quarterback perspective. So he was QB 26 over that time in um, in points per game where he averaged just 15 points per game. And that's that's just not good enough from a quarterback perspective and, and uh, fantasy. And and really, if you think about it, he was QB 26. That means he wasn't even a quarterback two. You know, unless you're playing in a league with a lot of with a lot more teams than normal, um, so that's not good. the The reason why I don't really know why Matt's so high relative to somebody like Matt Stafford, like or even you know the whole bundle of quarterbacks that are going in the tenth rounds or later, because seventh or eighth round i just it's gonna be really hard for him to return value on that he's being drafted as qb8 which is definitely possible that he finishes as the eighth best quarterback but when you're in the eighth round you're looking at guys like jk dobbins um brandon cooks you know guys like that that are available and and like i just don't know what would make you think that taking matt ryan in that spot was a better value and remember I just I cannot stress this enough. I hope I sound like a broken record when it comes to this. It has to be best value available for every single pick. And I don't care if it's eighth round, like and you're getting nervous because you don't have a quarterback. Don't do that, man. Know that know that you can stream quarterbacks. And I'm not kidding. I've won a lot of money in in co- very competitive leagues streaming quarterbacks. Like I, I'm not afraid to do it. It, it, especially because it's a lot harder to find reliable starters at the running back and wide receiver and even tight end positions typically in typical years than it is to to find 
a quarterback that can put up 18 points. Like, I just know I can do that. You know, there's almost, if you look, I really, if I had more time, I would look at all the quarterbacks every week that were on waivers in one of my leagues, just for an example. And I would look at how many, how many of those quarterbacks on waivers that weren't even rostered scored 20 points, you know, or at least 18 points in a, in a week. And I bet you there's always a few guys, even, um, even if it's just not glamorous. Like, I mean, I started in one of my leagues last year, I started Andy Dalton several, several games. And I mean, he had some clunkers, but he, he did, he did return value on just a guy that I was just picking up and plugging in at the last second. Like when you're on a quarterback, I mean, when you uh, are identifying who your quarterback will be a good, not always, but a, a good measure that will be, is he going to win? games or is he is he more likely to lose and a lot of times um i like quarterbacks that are losing games because they're just going to get those late garbage uh garbage yards even if even if the majority of their yards come in the fourth quarter it's like in touchdowns and stuff like i'll take that fantasy football holds no prejudice to garbage time points they count just exactly the same so that's the other thing about ryan I think the Falcons will actually be a little bit better than people think this year. That defense was surprisingly good down the stretch, and Todd Gurley will improve the running game, and uh, along with that offensive line that has gained experience, if nothing else. So I think that um, overall, Matt Ryan will be a more efficient quarterback and a, and a better real life quarterback by real life standards, but uh, or by real football standards. But I just don't think he's a guy that you're going to want to start in fantasy. Is he going to have those big weeks? Yes, he is. He's going to have 300 yard, four touchdown weeks for sure. Um, but he's not going to be the guy that's just 300 yards and two or more touchdowns. He's not. He's just. It's very unlikely because I think they're going to run the ball more, and I think that um, they're going to be a more efficient offense in a lot of ways. So I don't. But I don't think that equates to more fantasy points for Matt Ryan. All right, moving on to running back Todd Gurley. He's being drafted as RB14, and I, I believe his ADP has been creeping up there lately because he's going in a lot of mid to late third rounds to early fourth. And I spoke maybe a few weeks ago about how I like the value of Todd Gurley if it's in like the fifth round. Um, I mean, I'm all over that, you know, maybe even late fourth maybe but i love him in the fifth round but now i'm starting i'm seeing that adp creeping up and uh you know a lot of that is probably because of the name value there todd Gurley, back to back years excuse me back to back years was probably the best running back in football and the guy was scoring more touchdowns than anybody and he was finishing as the number one overall fantasy player but what we have to acknowledge is that Gurley even though he did score, I believe, 14 touchdowns last year, he was not a very dynamic player. Um, he, uh, I mean, um, the only thing that was good for him last year was just the touchdown total and the overall workload, like the Rams. And that is that is worth mentioning because Gurley, everybody was the reason why everybody was kind of against drafting him last year, especially where he was going late first, second round, if I recall correctly. He was going as, you know, the guy that you want basically as your RB one or, or, you know, your second best player, that's where you were drafting him. If you drafted him last year, um, the issue with that was he averaged under four yards per carry. So he, let me see. Yeah. He averaged less than four yards per carry in 11 of his 15 games played. 
He caught 31 passes, but only averaged 6.7 yards per reception. And for the first 10 games, he averaged less than six yards per catch, less than five and a half yards per catch at 5.4. So um, the, the encouraging news was, like I was just alluding to a second ago, everybody was worried about his health, but he actually started 15 games. He missed a random game in the middle of the season, but he uh, – he did, he did finish strong, at least from a touchdown and touches, overall touches standpoint with the Rams, where from weeks 13 through 17, he averaged almost 20 touches a game at 19.6 for almost 81 yards a game and then six touchdowns. So um, that's the last five games. You know, he's, he's up there at 20 touch mark. So that's encouraging from a just where he is medically. Because if you're able to touch the ball, you're you're averaging 20 touches a game essentially over the last four or five games. That shows you that the coaching staff, and that was a team of the Rams at that point last year, especially early on in that five game stretch, they were very much um, in the thick of things when it came to playoffs. So it shows you that Sean McVay was thinking that they needed to do everything they could to win, and that that meant giving Gurley 20 touches per game, roughly. So. That's encouraging from a, from the medical standpoint. With uh, you know, and with Gurley, I think uh, I think in Atlanta he will be more efficient. The reason I, I'm all in on him in round five is because I I do think he will play better in Atlanta this year because I think that if he was able to finish last year with 15 starts and and especially cranking up his workload down the stretch, I think that um, that shows that he should be able to to get the rock. And a lot of times with these certain injuries and I know Gurley's been rumored to have arthritis or whatever but maybe it was just an injury he was overcoming and a lot of times it's that second year where a guy comes back to to who we're used to him being if he does make that kind of return to form so it you know he has he still has boom potential um the bus potential is there because of the injury um just the injury history and stuff but um I'll take him in the late fourth Definitely in the fifth round. If I get Todd Gurley in the fifth round, I'm so stoked because, like, anytime you can get a guy with that kind of upside in the fifth round, I mean, that's just huge. And then if you if you whiff and he, you know, he's misses games or whatever, he misses considerable time in the season. Um, the fifth round is where I can stomach that type of loss. So, um, so yeah, I like I like Gurley if it's that way. If his ADP keeps rising, I'm not touching him in the third, and I'm and most likely not in the fourth either but if it's late fourth you know depending on who's available how my board looks uh, I would consider him there all right so this is a guy that I wasn't even going to talk about but I'm actually sort of weirdly optimistic on Ito Smith um I know I, I, I most likely other people won't agree with me here but I'm and I'm not going to tell you to even draft Ito because he's going undrafted right now but he was stringing uh, he was stringing together some good games before he got hurt and missed the whole second half of the season last year. He so first of all, he averaged 4.8 yards per carry and he caught 11 of his 14 targets, but what what really sticks out to me is the game against Houston where they were getting smashed and they had to pass a lot to catch up. He he caught six balls in that game. So, um the true scat back ability of him is there and if this is a going to be an Atlanta team that's all about passing the ball again this year and they don't you know so there's two ways Ito has value in my opinion one is of course if Gurley gets hurt two is 
Well, okay, there's three ways. Two would be if he's just the scat back on a losing team and, you know, they don't want to – they just – Ito is going to see the bulk of the work there in the pass game or at least he'll see his fair share. So he may have standalone flex value in that regard. And then the other way would be if they actually run the ball more and which is, I think, is very possible with this team. I, you never know with the Falcons because they they seem to hate running the ball. But I think this year might finally trigger some like, you know, Dan Quinn to be like, all right, maybe I need to like make this really an emphasis, sort of like how we saw Mike Zimmer do uh, the Vikings last year, where he just kind of was like, by any means necessary, we are running the damn ball. And that worked out very well for them because their passing attack became extremely consistent. Kirk Cousins actually had time to pass on occasion. Um, so I think that Ido Smith could have standalone value in in those ways. I think that um, if they run the ball more, he may just be a guy that gets 10 to 15 touches a game. And he's dynamic enough and a good enough receiver to make the most of those of those 10 to 15 touches, especially in full point PPR or even half PPR leagues. Um, so I think that he's a guy that you just might want to like a lot of times with him. I, I don't necessarily think you're, you're not going to want to draft. Him. I mean, if you draft Gurley, I guess, and you want to take him with your last pick or something, you could do that. But what, what I'm intrigued by is just watching him early in the season and just monitoring his targets. Right. And just watch, do yourself a favor and watch the condensed version of week one and just see how often he's on the field. Cause a lot of times when you're actually watching a team play, you're watching the whole game and you're noticing who's on the field, you know, especially when you like, let's say you have Gurley and you're like, damn, that Edo Smith is on the field a lot. Like where's, you know, put Gurley and you start to get a little anxious there because you want your guy on the field. So if you watch that from the neutral standpoint or just the standpoint of like, let me see how often Edo Smith is actually on the field. That sometimes is more indicative of like, raw snap count percentage and target percentage if you're just looking at box scores. So I think do yourself a favor. If you have some time, bang out a 30-minute condensed version of the game on NFL Game Pass. Watch uh, Edo's, you know, watch and just see how often he's on the field. So, um, all right. So I, I don't think you should, in conclusion here, I don't think you should draft him. Um, if you do in the, with your last pick, that's fine. But I think that you should keep an eye on, on his workload, his targets, um, and just his snap counts early, like in weeks one and two and three, stuff like that. And just if you see something where it looks like it's trending upward and it could, you know, then just roster him if you if you have the space and if you're if you're worried about your running back position. So that is my thoughts on Ito. Uh, tight end position, we have Hayden Hurst being drafted as tight end 12 in rounds nine or 10. So. Hurst has only 43 catches in his first two NFL seasons. As a first-round pick, that's obviously disappointing, but we have to look at the circumstances. So the Ravens drafted Mark Andrews in the same draft as Hurst, and I believe it was the fifth round. And, I mean, the honest truth is he just outperformed Hurst, at least obviously on the field in games, but, I mean, it must have been in practice as well. So he just flat-out beat Hurst out, and um, the Ravens, like a smart football team does instead of like what we may have saw from the Rams where they just stubbornly put Gerald Everett ahead of Tyler Higby because maybe they invested a second round pick into Everett. Um, that's just a guess there. But the the Ravens just said, hey, man, Mark Andrews is beating him out because he's a better football player. We're going to put him on the field like, you know, we're going to throw the ball to Andrews because we think he's better. So they threw a lot more to Andrews. And of course, we saw Andrews have a breakout uh, 2019 season. So 
Hurst, only 43 catches in two years, but um, he did last year. He caught 76.9% of his targets. This guy is talented. He was also drafted to play professional baseball um, until he ultimately opted to go back to school and, and get back on the football field and try his hand at that. But my point is he's athletic, okay? He um, he was my tight end one in that draft, in 2018 draft. I, I thought he was the best, most pro-ready tight end in that class. Um, he caught 92 passes in his last years at South Carolina, last two years. So, I mean, the guy was a first-round pick, you know, a real-life first-round pick. They actually drafted him before they drafted Lamar Jackson. So I'm just trying to stress the fact that this kid is talented, right? And when you think about the fact that Mark Andrews just beat him out, it, you know, kind of makes sense. Now, in terms of Atlanta, Austin Hooper for most of the season was a top five tight end last year. He's gone. And he, that was about almost, that was a, over a 14% target market share that he's replacing. So I think Austin, I mean, um, Hayden Hurst, I think is going to be a very good value in the late rounds, almost pretty much double digit rounds. You can most likely get him in the ninth. I just think that's a tremendous value. And um, I think he will, even if he, if you just go through his his numbers or go through Austin Hooper's numbers and assume Hayden Hurst gets 70% of that, like you have yourself a, a, a solid weekly starter at tight end and you got that in the ninth or 10th round. I think that's tremendous value. So um, yeah, I'm all about, I'm all about Hurst. I think that, uh, he, I mean, Austin Hooper had 97 targets right here. I see on my notes. So that's what he's replacing, you know, even if he gets just 60 of those, 70 of those, you probably have yourself a, a starter considering what Atlanta has on the outside. Teams have to deal with Julio and uh, Calvin Ridley on the outside. So the underneath stuff to Hurst, I think, will be open. And I think Hurst is actually definitely more physically talented than, than Austin Hooper. Um, so, you, you know, I think he's a guy with legitimate top five or six tight end upside in fantasy. And I think that uh, his floor is something like tight end 10 or so. So I, I really think you have yourself a st weekly starter with some upside in the ninth or 10th round. So I definitely recommend drafting Hurst there. All right. On to the wide receivers, Julio Jones drafted being drafted as wide receiver five in the early second round. I think his, I'm not sure if his ADP is dipping just a little bit, but um, it seems people are worried about his age or, you know, just his lack of touchdown production, but let me just throw some numbers at you for Julio. So he's got over, or he's got 1,394 yards at least in six consecutive seasons. He had 48 targets over the final three games. And I get that was without Calvin Ridley, but still just like we need to, we can't just gloss over that and pretend that that doesn't matter. Um, he finished 2019 strong. And so he finished as a wide receiver four last year in half PPR um, in points per game. He averaged over 15 a game for you, for whoever owned him last year. He, in games without Mohamed Sanu and with Ridley, so what we're basically looking at this year, in 2019, he averaged over 91 yards per game. I thought that was just something worth mentioning there because we like to try and like, oh, you know, well, that was without Ridley and this was it, you know, just in games, which is where we should see them this year, which is without Sanu, of course, because he's in New England, and then games with Ridley, that Julio was over 91 yards per game. Um, 
the only issue is, and this is nothing new for Julio, is just the touchdowns. He had zero touchdowns in 11 of his 15 games. So, you know, four four games, there was only four games where Julio scored a touchdown. So that's obviously discouraging, but the guy is going to give you 1,400 yards. Like, I mean, it's just, you're just going to have to deal with it if, so here's my stance on Julio. Like I am, I think that he will return value in the early second round. Definitely. If you, if you spend your second round pick on Julio, you will return value certainly. But here is where I struggle with his overall value in comparison to what else might be on the board. What are you going to get in the fourth round? If you grab your first wide receiver there, well, we've been over that. We might get Odell Beckham. You know, you might even get Calvin Ridley in the fourth and, and I don't know how significantly Julio will outperform Calvin Ridley. So my overall thoughts are, unless your running backs are just getting picked clean, I think you should spend your first and second round pick on a running back. Now, I'm all about best value available. So I'm not going to say just, you know, ignore whoever's on the board. Like if if the running backs are picked super clean and and you can't take one, don't force it. Grab Julio in the second round. But... In most of the mock drafts I've done so far and just basically the, the overall shape of this draft in general, I think that there's a pretty decent chance you'll be able to grab two running backs with your first two picks. So in conclusion on Julio, I think that he's going to return value at that spot, but I just think that there might be a the ultimate value play might be to j- grab your second running back there in round two or late round one or whatever, and then grab two running backs and then grab your first receiver in round three or four, because I think that receiver that you get in round three, four, or even five, I think that receiver will not be terribly far behind Julio in terms of fantasy production. So um, Calvin Ridley being drafted as wide receiver 16 in the fourth or fifth rounds. So Ridley, over the and this is something that like a lot of people are, are super high on Ridley and, and I like him too, you know, and and some of that is because of that shiny new toy, quote unquote, you know, kind of effect. Um, Julio's the old guy, it's Ridley's time now. We all like want we all like that for some reason, especially in fantasy, because a lot of times that's where the value can be found. But the um thing that people aren't really talking about is in weeks three through ten last year, Calvin Ridley was wide receiver 49 in points per game, fantasy points per game. And he was right receiver 45 overall. That is over half the season. That's a significant stretch of time where he was not even like, what was he a wide receiver four? you know, for a very large part of the season, his first two games, he came out hot. He had 12 catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns. So a lot of times what happens in those first couple of games of the year sort of manipulates our, um, perception of those guys because we you know after week one and two a lot of fantasy owners are like dude i knew i should have taken ridley instead of dj moore or you know whoever like i knew i should have taken ridley yada 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 and so that's kind of what we remember whereas when you have someone like me who's just a nutcase about it when i go back and really examine every single player and what they did from a game-by-game basis and how the trends were looking you know, that's when you find out stuff like this. So there was a real large portion of the season last year after the first two games where Ridley was just not a guy you even wanted to start. But he finished very, very, very strong. Weeks 11 through 14, which week 14 was his last game because he got injured. But 
he was the wide receiver four in points per game over that stretch with over 18 points per game and half PPR. He was the second, he was the wide receiver two over in overall points over that time. He averaged seven catches for 99 yards and one just about a touchdown per game. I rounded slightly up there, but seven for 99 and a touchdown is basically what he averaged for the final four weeks of the season for, of his season. So um, at the, in the fourth or fifth round, I'm, I, I'm totally, totally fine with Ridley there. I think that, um, and that's kind of exactly the, the example I was giving when I say, is Julio a good value in round two? Yes. But, What's better, Julio in round two or Ridley in, let's say, the late fourth? Like, I'm all over Ridley there. And, like, I would be jumping up and down for joy if I can grab Ridley in the fifth round. But, you know, if I have to take him in the fourth, I would. I uh, think that he will still return value there. So, um, he, I'm going to touch on the Atlanta defense, believe it or not, and how it pertains to fantasy football. So, the Falcons defense was at a they were performing at a historically bad pace for the first half of the season they were off but over the final eight games they allowed only 18.6 per game points per game so under 19 points per game they allowed nine passing touchdowns and had 10 interceptions 21 sacks which is equates to one every 13.6 pass attempts which is very good and get this they only allowed a 26% third down conversion rate. And that's over half a season, the most recent half a season we've seen this team play. I think if Matt Ryan doesn't turn the ball over as much this year and they have a something a resembling a run game, I think this defense, you're definitely not going to need to draft them. But I think they're one that you can get and and stream and maybe even like if you see a three or four game stretch of where, where they have kind of some questionable opponents like you know grab them the week, a week or two early if you have to and just get ready to unleash them and people are going to say like what are you doing Atlanta's defense sucks because that's the whole perception but that's not the reality okay the most recent half season stretch we've seen of this defense and I don't care if they played Kyle Allen so I don't care like that this is the NFL they were completely dominant over eight games, which is half a season, and that's the most recent eight games. So I think that it, they're a defense you you can look to stream, especially when when people give the argument of like, oh, well, who do they play? You know, that's valid, right? But what are what are good defenses supposed to do against bad offenses? They're supposed to dominate them, right? Well, Atlanta completely dominated pretty much everyone they played over that final eight games. So if you, um, I mean, if you are looking for a defense to stream and you see that they have uh, a juicy, you know, not very good offenses coming up uh, the next three, four weeks or whatever it is, I think they're definitely someone you should grab and stream them with confidence. Of course, we want to see how they're playing early on. If they're getting lit up like a Christmas tree again, then, you know, obviously abort, <laughs> abort that mission. But, um, I think they're going to be a pretty good unit for what it's worth. But again, don't draft them. Don't really draft any defense unless you get somebody really good really late. But um, don't draft them. Just keep an eye on them and, and look at their schedule. If they start playing okay in the beginning of the year against some good teams, just look at their schedule and figure out when you can pick them up to stream them for maybe a couple of games. 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you want to argue with me, my DMs are always open uh, on uh, Twitter at FairShakeFB and on Instagram at FairShakeFootball. Thank you for listening, guys. All right.